Welcome. You've tuned in to Living the Miracle with hosts Michael and Raphael Tamura. You are meant to live a joy-filled life, and you most certainly can. In this program, you will learn simple yet powerful psychic tools to help you fulfill your soul's purpose in this world. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Tamura and Raphael Tamura. Hello, hello to all our beautiful friends around the world, and welcome to Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura. I'm Raphael. And I'm Michael. The purpose for our show is to awaken souls, develop intuition, and fulfill purpose. Today, we will talk story, because it's one of the best ways for us to mine for treasures in your soul. I first learned about talk story from our Hawaiian friends. It was like, hey, come on over and we talk story, yeah? Linguistically, the phrase talk story is said to have originated in the pidgin English language spoken in Hawaii. The term pidgin first came into being in the 1800s in the southern China port of Guangzhou, as the Chinese merchants on the docks conducting business with English speakers modified the word business into what sounds like pidgin. Since then, people started to call the spoken language developed between people who speak different languages to facilitate communication pidgin. Today, there are several virgins, versions, uh, yes, there might be several virgins too, but there are several versions of pidgin languages spoken in various locales, such as Haitian Creole, that have grown to become the native language of the people. A few years ago, Hawaiian Pidgin English was included as one of the official spoken languages of the Hawaiian Islands. So, today... We'll talk story. Talk story can be anything from friends getting together to just shoot the breeze, chat about the day, to have heart-to-heart sharing of life experiences and lessons learned. Sometimes it's filled with laughter and backslapping, while at other times it could be quiet, gentle communication, or it could go deep to the heart of the matter that is being communicated about. Whatever form it takes, however, talk story always provides a way to communicate and share one's life and light with others. You may have noticed that our radio show is pretty much all talk story. Both Michael and I regularly share the stories of our various life experiences, the many life experiences we've had and we've learned from, and we love to share with you. We talk story about various facets of this experience we call living. So we are grateful that you're hanging out with us, especially today or whatever day it is you are listening to this show. We consider talk story as a valuable tool for mining the treasures in and of the soul. Of course, Any story that someone tells us about themselves or their experience of something in his or her life lets us have at least a glimpse into their soul in some way. It answers the question, who is the beingness that is expressing itself as this person? 
even if the story the person is telling us is obviously a tall tale or a big fish story, if we listen carefully, we gain a greater understanding of the person telling it. Both the story and the telling of it reveal more of the inner soul of the person. We've called our show Living the Miracle because we'd love to see many more people living the miracle of their limitless and eternal soul life in this world. When you live the miracle more, you step out of the box of living by the often restrictive rules of this world by tapping into the limitless imagination, creativity, and intuitive knowingness of spirit. Then, whatever it is you need to fulfill your true purpose here in this world becomes possible. Rather than living our lives by the seeming limited choices offered in the world at any given time, if a solution isn't readily available to us, we can just know it, imagine it, and create it as the spiritual beingness that we are. And communication is essential for each of us to be able to discover and realize our true potential as souls. Of the many avenues of communicating, talk story is certainly one of our favorites, as you can tell. Who doesn't love a good story? Well, I certainly do. Although I'm often too busy to sit down with a cup of tea to enjoy reading a good book, I regularly listen to good books I've downloaded on my phone. I'm having a cup of coffee or a (laughs) cup of tea listening to uh, good radio. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, when I download those books on my phone, I can easily, quote unquote, read a book while I'm driving long distances, which I do a lot, waiting at airports and doing errands or household chores. I love watching movies and great shows. I can never understand people that don't enjoy watching movies or shows. The stories I hear and see inspire, educate, illuminate, and heal. And with every story, I not only discover new treasures within the storyteller, but I also learn something about myself. As I've learned many times before on this show, I've always been a bit on, oh, I should say, as I've mentioned many times before on this show, I've always been a bit on the shy side, so it hasn't always been easy for me to tell stories, especially on the spot. But I am currently writing a fabulous story about the soul of a dog who has come into my life three times now in different dog incarnations and looking at returning to us again because presently that soul is in the heavenly planes. I'm telling her story and mine and ours, actually, because Michael's included, through her voice. The dog is the narrator. In a very real sense, I'm having a talk story time with a dog soul currently in the spirit realms. And it's been an amazing experience and journey of mining for treasures in all our souls. As for Michael, as long as I've known him, he's been a total talk story kind of guy. He'll talk story with friends, students, and complete strangers all day long if you let him. (laughs) He even gets into talk story in an elevator ride to mine the gold in some stranger's life. So, Michael, 
Would you tell our listeners about what made Talk Story such an enjoyable way for you to communicate with others, as well as what you do to get such a conversation going, even with complete strangers? And remember, our theme is communication in this series. I know Raphael always uh, rolls her big blue eyes. <laughs> Radio show, so you might not see it, but <laughs> she rolls her big blue eyes whenever I say that I was a shy kid as well. <laughs> That's true. I do roll my eyes every time he says that. <laughs> yes, but it's true. <laughs> I had to learn to communicate with people over time. What I experienced as shyness when I was growing up was due to being so sensitive psychically to other people's energies that especially when I was around someone with tough energy, I'd shut up. I was quiet and preferred to play by myself a lot of the time when I was small. I didn't think I had much to say at those times. Yet, much later on in my life, as I reviewed those early experiences, I realized that whenever someone gave me permission to speak or even encouraged me to talk about what I experienced in life or what I was experiencing at that moment or about what I experienced about someone else, I had plenty to say. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Even if a person asked me a specific question, if I felt that the person wasn't really interested in hearing what I said, I'd just shrug and say I didn't have anything to say. In my earlier childhood, I was mostly responding to how someone felt inside of themselves. And if they weren't really interested in what I had to say, most of the time, I felt that I had nothing to say. Interesting, isn't that? And once I felt that someone was genuinely interested in what I had to say, I found that I had a lot to say. And that's, that's when it gets to where somebody can't shut me up. <laughs> well, I'm glad you said it. <laughs> I was reading Raphael's mind. <laughs> when I review my life during my late teens through perhaps the early part of my 20s, I'm really amazed. You know, this is part of what I do to mine the treasures in my soul. I, I do what... Sometimes people who have had near-death experiences and, and come back and they say, oh, I had this life review when I was on the other side. Funny thing, in my five near-death experiences, I've never had a life review on the other side. Mine was always before and after <laughs> and during all my experiences, maybe because I review my life so many times on a regular basis. As I'm living, I didn't have to have the life review if I was going to come back here anyway. I'm amazed at how ignorant I was. That was in the late teens. Yeah, late teens and, well, even middle teens and early 20s, maybe early 40s, early (laughs) 50s. (laughs) It's, It's amazing, you know, when, you know, I'm not saying when I say how ignorant I was. I'm not saying I was stupid. And I'm really not even making a judgment about myself or a criticism. It's just that I realized, oh, I I was ignorant. I was unaware, much more myopic 
you know, short-sighted, tunnel vision. I was like that untrained dog that's walking right next to this human until it spots a squirrel. <laughs> it goes, squirrel! <laughs> and <laughs> shoots out of, in whatever direction the squirrel is and forgets about, you know, oh, yeah, my training is to heal, to walk besides this human. And, of course, most dogs are way better than me on, on that. <laughs> they continue to heal, and even if they really want to chase that squirrel. So I often fail to see where others were at. That's, that's what I mean by ignorance. I wasn't looking. I wasn't paying attention to, oh, where is this, really, this person really at? I wasn't mining for the treasures in this soul of the person I'm I'm relating to in some way. It could have been, you know, a stranger. It could have been a friend, a classmate, whatever. But so often when I review my earlier part of my life, I'm just oblivious to a lot of things, except what's right in front of me in terms of this is what I need to do. This is what I want uh, to get or whatever. And much later on in life, I start to realize, oh, yeah, that's, that's really what, for me, what ignorance is, being unaware when there's so much to be aware of. Yet, when I start to give people readings, clairvoyant readings, when I was 21 years old, when I was giving someone a reading, there was nothing else in the world besides this incredible unfolding of a person's life. Various aspects in the person's life revealed themselves like scintillating gemstones, sparkling diamonds. It was like being Alibaba intoning, open sesame, <laughs> to access the secret treasure cave of the thieves. Once I start to give people clairvoyant readings, I start to realize the worth of the soul. Within every soul, no matter the kind of incarnation it was having, was a secret cave filled with treasures. And I began to discover that the true worth of the soul was in its life experience and what it did with that life experience. Communicating about our experiences in life and what we've learned from them is what we, what both giving readings and talk story are to me. I also discovered that during the years of my training with my spiritual teacher, when I learned the most and the most important lessons were when I was giving a clairvoyant reading or when I was having talk story time with my teacher. Although I learned from listening to the story he told, I learned even more from how he told the story, where he was coming from in telling that story. Experiencing how someone tells their story reveals their relationship with others, the world, and life itself. Over the years, I came to discover that every person has a treasure chest of amazing stories. Everyone. Yet, I've also learned that so many people assume that they have not much of interest to share with others or that their life isn't 
extraordinary. It's never that someone's life isn't incredibly interesting. It's that many people don't know that they can mine the gold and diamonds of wisdom from every experience in their lives. There's no life experience that is worthless or wasted. It only seems that way when we are not interested enough to mine the gold of wisdom from the common rock of everyday experiences, as well as unpleasant or even traumatic experiences. After a couple of years of giving clairvoyant readings, I realized that I could be mining for treasures in everyone I met. On the outside, most people look ordinary. I've known quite a few celebrities and even a few super celebrities, but in everyday life, they look and behave pretty ordinary too. What makes someone amazing to me is what I discover about them on the inside, how they really live their lives. All right. Well, we're coming up on our first break, so I'd like to remind you that this Saturday, this coming Saturday, October 19th, from 10 a.m. to noon Pacific time, we'll be teaching the next teleclass of our current set of teleclasses on your psychic development, your happiness, and your chakras. This is from our You Might Be More Psychic Than You Think series open to everyone. This teleclass will be on your fourth chakra, affinity, worth, and relationship. Each of the seven classes in this set covers one of your major chakras, what they are, how they are essential in your daily life and spiritual growth, and how you can become more aware of them, and how to take care of them for your optimal health and happiness. If you can't be on the phone in person while we teach the teleclasses, you can always sign up for the class and receive the MP3 audio download uh, from us. All the past teleclass audio downloads are available as well. If you never joined us for a teleclass, which you can do from anywhere in the world, you can go to our website, michaeltamora.com. That's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-T-A-M, as in Mary, U-R-A.com. On our website, events calendar for October 19th to get the details. To sign up, you can also call our office, which is in uh, Northern California at... 1-530-926-2650, Monday to Friday, business hours, Pacific time, and you can talk to our wonderful assistant, Noel, who will help you get signed up. We will be returning in a couple of minutes, and we'll talk more about how you can talk story. Mining for Treasures in Your Soul. Meanwhile, I'd like to wish up into the heavenly plains a happy birthday to my mother. We will see you right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. We hear, just be you, a lot these days. But who are you? What is an authentic life? The answer to these questions and more will be answered on The Authentic Living Show, hosted by Andrea Matthews. 
Andrea will interview some of today's spiritual, psychological experts and will provide her own wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your I am. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. If you are looking to deepen your understanding of karma, the law of attraction, metaphysics, mindfulness, and intuition, be sure to tune in each week for You, the Universe, the Holistic Mind with host Katherine Potter. Catherine and her insightful guests will show how everything interconnects, explaining concepts and modalities that connect the mind and body. It's a refreshing look at the universe and the laws that govern it. Listen every Monday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Tune in to Lead Up for Women. Speak up to Lead Up as we celebrate the influence of women in business and beyond. Your host, Colleen Biggs, speaks with guests who have stories to share, have faced adversity, and have become success stories in business, in their communities, and in personal accomplishments. Join the strong and the brilliant ones and understand that the world is ready for you to be at your best. Lead Up for Women is heard live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Living the Miracle. Michael and Raphael would love to hear from you. Reach the show today by calling 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to livingthemiracleradio at gmail.com. Now back to Living the Miracle. Welcome back to all our friends who have joined us today. Let's get back to... Talk Story, Mining for Treasures in Your Soul. Well, I thought it might be fun to start the second portion with a little talk story. Earlier in the first section, Michael was talking about being like that <clears throat> dog that's walking on to the side of his human who is doing just fine until he sees a squirrel and off he runs. Well, (laughs) I had an experience kind of like that that actually forced me to mine my soul for treasure, and um, I was very surprised at what I found. So the story is, I was walking, this was uh, quite a number of years ago, I think about 1994 or so, I was walking my Akita dog, Aiko, and I was about two blocks from our home. And because she was a very strong dog and I was still training her, I had her on a, a more or less short leash. And I was—I had uh, two places where I held onto the leash. I looped my hand through and held in one place and I held in the other place. And I was walking along and that's how I was able to control her in a sense until she became trained enough where I didn't have to always be on her case about healing and all that stuff. Healing as in standing by my heel or walking by my heel. So we're walking along, and it was Father's Day, actually, that day, and I was wishing my father spirit to spirit. He was already in the uh, heavenly planes by then. I was wishing him happy Father's Day, so I had my attention off Ico. And... Um, I felt him kind of come in really strong and it sort of uh, startled me. 
and I accidentally let go of one of uh, my hands holding on to the leash. And at that exact moment, a black cat came flying by. And of course, Aiko, still a 10-month-old puppy at the time, and she was about a 65, 70-pound puppy. She was <laughs> Even quite though large. She's built like a <laughs> tank uh, NFL <laughs> tackle. <laughs> yes, she was. She went, she just went for the cat. And of course, I still had uh, the leash in the other hand, and it knocked me so out of balance that I fell. I fell down really hard on the sidewalk, and I very, very badly uh, sprained my ankle, something I have a tendency to do because my ankles are really small and tiny because that came from my mother. She was small and tiny. So I was in a great deal of pain, and I'm sitting there, uh, you know, first, ow, 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 like we most do, most of us do when we hurt ourselves. And then I thought, what am I going to do? I'm two blocks away. And at the time, we didn't carry cell phones in our pockets. <laughs> so I put my hands, I'm a healer. So I put my hands on my ankle and I remembered, it's like it came out of my soul. I remembered way back in my high school years and I graduated in 71. So that was kind of a long time ago. Way back in my high school years, I had a friend who took me to a uh, lecture where this man taught about something called psychic anesthesia. And I thought, oh, if I could make my the pain go away enough so I could walk home, that would be great. And so I remembered the technique, which was just basically agreeing to put psychic anesthesia on the aching ankle. And boy, was it aching. And I'll tell you, it took about five seconds, and my leg became numb from my tip of my toe to my knee. I could still feel my foot just enough so I could get up and walk. It was an amazing experience. And I walked the two blocks home, and the second I walked in the door, the anesthesia fell off, and I, <laughs> Michael was right there. And I said, Michael, boo-hoo. I sprained my ankle, and I fell and can you help me? And then we, we did the normal stuff that you do, you know, the ice ice and heat and all that good stuff and uh, healed it with energy healing and so on. But the psychic anesthesia was something I had totally forgotten was within mm-hmm. me. And that was, you know, that was an experience that reminded me that we carry a lot of information from our experiences. Michael, you want to talk a little about that? Well, I mean... There's so much, and like I mentioned earlier, you have to be interested. You have to you have to pay attention. <laughs> yeah, one of the things I find is, especially in this day and age, we're so much on the clock, or we're speeding our way from one place to another, one thing to another, and it's it's like we just don't have enough time and hours in a day to get everything done that we need to get done. But when we're living like that, we become ignorant. We we don't pay attention. We miss on so much, so much beauty, so much uh, information, so much possible solutions, creativity, everything. We just shut out because our attention's on that black cat <laughs> that zipped by <laughs> or the squirrel that zipped by, right? And 
I realize, oh yeah, that's, that's when I'm in present, when I'm right here, right now, paying attention. Paying attention, just paying attention to what I'm experiencing, what's happening around me, where people are at. That's when the miracle happens. That's when amazing treasures come up. Like in Raphael's situation, she had to. You know, how is she going to solve this problem of getting back home with an untrained dog <laughs> <laughs> who's very strong when she can't walk uh, on a sprained ankle? But that made her really pay attention and mine for her soul for the information, the solution. And we do this quite often. I, I also hear about that from our listeners and, and pe- students and people who've heard us speak and whatnot. And we'll teach a tool or something in, in a class or on a radio show. And one time I just, I didn't even teach it so much as I shared the story. I talked story on a radio show. And uh, that was heard by lots and lots of people. And I uh, uh, told the story about burning myself, my hand really badly, very badly. And but then instantly I decided, you know, hey, I can't. I can't. I don't. <laughs> in a funny way, I don't have the time for this. <laughs> I can't be being injured, not being able to use my hand. And so, so I stopped grounded myself that we have taught a lot of times on the show found the center of my head and I even though it was now starting to hurt really badly I reached back and said okay I'm gonna I'm gonna pull out the initial the very first image of this trauma of this pain of this burning my hand by grabbing onto a steaming hot pipe metal pipe and as soon as I found that image I pulled it out I put it in the rose, blew it up, and instantly, it wasn't like days later, instantly, right before my very eyes, I saw my hand, my, the skin on my hand, completely repair itself. It went from bubbling over and blistering and turning white and still sizzling to completely like brand new skin. It was like baby skin, so soft so clear of any, nothing, nothing wrong with it at all. No sign of it's ever been burnt. Huh. Okay, that was great. I knew this is, you know, possible that I can do this. I'm not able to quite do it every single time I get injured, but I've done it quite a few times. So I told this story on the radio show, and about a week, week and a half, whatever, a couple weeks later, I get an email or some kind of message from this listener that wrote in and said, well, I I heard this story you told on the radio show a week or so ago. And and then when I was walking on the sidewalk, I slipped on the curb, completely twisted my ankle. I heard it snap and it was in this very weird contorted position when I fell and it was excruciating and she said people came uh, to try to help her and 
try to get up or whatever. And she said, no, I can't, I can't get up. I, it's just too, too much. Would you please, you know, back up and let me kind of try to deal with it. And she said it was screaming pain. Then she realized, you know, I can't, I can't continue to just do this. I have to, I have places to go and I can't be, yeah, I can't have a broken ankle or severely sprained one very much like Raphael. And she says, I got to take care of this. And then she remembers hearing my voice and the story I told on the radio show. And she said, I'm going to try that. I bet I could do it. And she does the same thing. She closes her eyes and grounds herself, centers herself. And she says, okay, I want to find the first image in my mind that I created about this pain, this trauma, this injury. And then she said she found it. She took it out, put it in a rose, exploded it. And she said instantly the pain was gone. And she goes, whoa, this is, this is something. And she said she wasn't quite sure if, you know, it was completely healed. So she gingerly touches her ankle and everything. There's no pain. She can straighten it out. Now look normal. And she slowly and gingerly gets up. And she finds she can she can stand. There's no pain. She took one step, no pain. Two steps, three steps. And the people around her were just wide-eyed, like, what happened? What? It's a miracle. It's just amazing. And she said, I'm fine. Thank you very much for your concern. And she walked home or walked to wherever she was going. That was a great, great story, you know. This is, this is part of what comes from talk story. We're exchanging information, tools, lessons learned. And, well, that was kind of an experience of a lesson, very important lesson learned. And from just me sharing that story, this other woman that was a complete stranger just happened to hear it on a radio show, tries it out, works for her too. <laughs> and I start to really become interested in in mining for this these treasures in people's lives in their souls when uh way many many years ago we were living in um elk grove and and um we needed a uh somebody to take care of our lawn because i'm allergic to mowing lawns and <laughs> Well, you know, we just are so busy. And so Raphael hired this Vietnamese man, a very small, very humble, quiet Vietnamese man who said he would do gardening for us. So great. So he started and everything. And then one day I was home and when he arrived in the morning, and so I, I decided, you know, he's really bright. I just saw him. Uh, his soul just was shining so bright, even though he didn't speak much. So I went out to talk with him. I said, I know I don't want to interrupt you doing your work, but I really like to, you know, find out more about you. And he was very embarrassed. He was very shy. And finally he said, you know, no speak English. And I thought, oh, that's, that's sad. But I said, but you understand a little bit, Yes. And he says, little, little, little bit. And I said, okay. So 
I started to do little talk stories, you know, five minutes here, three minutes there, kind of a thing every time he showed up that I was home. And over the time, all of a sudden, he introduced me to his young son, his oldest son, who was uh, in high school, to come help him. And his son, of course, spoke perfect English. And so the son became a little bit of an interpreter for us sometimes. And about six months, eight months of doing this, little talk stories, a few minutes at a time, the father, the, the gardener, would start to, you know, he had enough English so we can, we can talk directly. And so I started asking him questions and, you know, were you, were you always a gardener in Vietnam? And he said, no, 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 no. He enjoyed gardening, but, but uh, he, he didn't do that as a job. And I asked him, what was, what was your job in, in uh, Vietnam before you came over? He says, oh, I was just a high school math teacher. Huh. And so over time, I started to mine him for the treasures. And how, how did you go from being a high school math teacher to a gardener? And he told me this story. And, and eventually he became the gardener because he needed to feed his family and everything. And he didn't speak any English, or at least not enough. So he, he uh, gave up being a math teacher or any kind of a teacher in school, and he became this gardener. Well, when I asked him, how did you end up coming to this country? He told me this grueling story over seven years of trying to immigrate to this country with his family and having to file like a six-inch stack of papers every year, brand new, and then They'd reject him every single time until one time he gave up and his friend from the U.S. called him. Well, our second break is coming up, so I'm going to have to interrupt Michael's story. We promise we'll finish it. It's a really great story. But it's uh, at this point, it's time to mark your calendars. We'll be in beautiful Calabasas in the greater Los Angeles area on Saturday, November 30th and Sunday, December 1st. That's the weekend after Thanksgiving. And Michael will teach a joy-filled seminar weekend to help you power up your psychic life. Saturday's topic will be your mediumship and your spiritual path, psychic tools for discerning your own truth. And Sunday's will be meet your dream team. Angels, Spirit Guides, and Masters of Wisdom. We welcome you to join us at the Hilton Garden Inn in Calabasas, California. These seminars will definitely help you to wake up more to who you really are and learn to fulfill your purpose. Find out all the details and sign up on our website, events calendar section at michaeltamora.com. Or call our office at 1-530-926-2650 during normal business hours, Pacific Time, Monday to Friday. When we return, we'll continue our exploration of Talk Story, Mining for Treasures in Your Soul. See you in a couple minutes.
Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. The White House doctor makes house calls. Listen every week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. Dr. Connie has served as the White House physician under three U.S. presidents. Now she joins the Voice America Empowerment Channel to help you enrich yourself physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Our guests will include professionals from a variety of fields who will bring you tips that you can apply to your own life. Listen for House Calls with Dr. Connie every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Tune in for Five Blossom Radio. Each week, host Denise Richard will discuss common interests in the fields of art, health, and spirituality. The series is arranged into three parts, focusing on Five Blossom Gatherings, the Four Voices Program, and Fires of Compassion. Every program is available on demand, so if you miss any part of the series live, be sure to catch up. Five Blossom Radio can be heard live every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. What makes someone successful in their field? On Transformational Energy Leadership, Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey speaks to amazing guests who share their ideas, advice, tips, and tricks as to what defines success for them. The result is positive transformation for you. You'll learn that personal energy is the key to make it work. And you'll hear through actual examples how to bring that positive transformation to life. Listen live every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Living the Miracle. Michael and Raphael would love to hear from you. Reach the show today by calling 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to livingthemiracleradio at gmail.com. Now back to Living the Miracle. It's so great to have you back. Today our show is about Mining for Treasures in Your Soul by Sharing Stories of Your Life Experiences and Lessons. And Michael was just sharing an amazing experience he has and carries within his soul, which is about mining some information and bringing forth uh, the beauty of someone else by getting him to tell Michael his story. So, would you continue, Michael? Yes, uh, well, I was talking about our uh, Vietnamese gardener that we had many, many, many years ago when we were living in Elk Grove, California. And anyway, uh, I was mentioning before the break that he was rejected. He and his family were rejected. He had to file brand new. He said every year he had to do it all over again. He couldn't just update, you know, last year's (laughs) stack of papers He had to start from scratch, do it all over again. And literally, he said the stack of papers were, you know, five, six inches thick when he was all said and done. So many pages. And he would take, wait in line for hours. When he get up to the front of the line, the guy doesn't even look at it, just puts the rubber stamp denied. And that happened every single year. You can, he can only, uh, apply once a year every year 
denied seven years straight, and finally he gave up. And just after he gave up, uh, like a couple few weeks after he gave up, he says, I, I'm not going to bother anymore. We're just, we're going to be here in Vietnam. We're not going to go to the United States like we were hoping to do. And then a friend of his, a very good friend of his that he grew up with uh, in Vietnam, and and the friend went on to become an a, a engineer, a mathematician engineer uh, in NASA <laughs> in the U.S., he was a basically a rocket scientist, rocket engineer. And he calls out of the blue. They haven't talked in a while. And he says, how's it coming along to immigrate to the U.S.? You know, and the guy says, the gardener says, oh, I gave up. It's I've done it for seven years. It's just not going to happen. And the, his friend says, no, you got to come here. You got to come here. Let me look into it for you. And he says, oh, what were you calling about in the first place to the friend? And the friend says, well, we need your help. And he's going, okay, here's this NASA rocket scientist engineer needing this guy's help. <laughs> so he goes, what kind of help? And he says, well, we're working on the shuttle uh, program. And this was way back, working on the when the one of the shuttle programs were going on. And he said, None of us has been able to figure this formula of this part of the trajectory of the rocket and of the shuttle. And um, I thought, you know, we're, we're at a standstill. And I thought, I'll call you up and see if I give you this thing to look at. Can you see if you can come up with some ideas at least? And the guy says, well, sure, okay. I don't know what I can do, but I'll, I'll look at it. So he gets the whatever the equation or whatever it is that he had to look at. And then within the week, he comes up with a solution. <laughs> and he calls back his friend and says, well, this is what I came up with. And he, I don't know if it's right or wrong, but this is what I came up with. And the guy tries it out and takes it back to NASA and it works. It solved the problem where everybody was stuck on with the shuttle trajectory. And so then the friend goes, okay, I'm really going to try to get you over here. We need you. And so then he uh, writes to some higher-ups and blah, 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 and explains the situation about this friend and that the friend is who solved this problem that nobody else has been able to solve. Well, about a week later, the gardener, who was still a high school math teacher at that point, gets a letter. And he looks at the, the envelope and says, this unusual letter. And he reads it, uh, gets his you know, uh, son to read it. And it says, it's from the president of the United States. <laughs> from the office of the president of the United States with the whole shebang on it. And so his uh, son reads reads the uh, letter to him and translates it. And he finds out it's a letter from, signed and sealed by the president of the United States, thanking him for helping to, uh, helping the space shuttle program with invaluable 
knowledge and expertise. <laughs> and that the country, the United States, owed a great debt of you know, gratitude for him to come to bat for it. And so uh, anything we can do to help you, we heard that you're having trouble immigrating to, this, to the United States. Um, if there's anything we can do to help you, please don't hesitate to contact us and contact information everything. Well, the friend calls and says, did you get the letter? And he says, he was in disbelief. But he says, all you have to do is put the letter on top of the rest of the stack of your application forms. Go to the immigration and they will put you through and you and your family. <laughs> so he does that. Next thing, he takes it up. He Again, he waits about three hours to get to the front of the line. But once he gets up to the front of the line, the bureaucrat there raises the rubber stamp to stamp denied. But right before he stamps the paper, he stops. His eyes go huge. He puts the rubber stamp, denial stamp away. He takes the whole stack, runs. He doesn't tell the gardener anything. He just runs to the back office of this immigration place. And the gardener's waiting, doesn't know what's going to happen. About five minutes later, this whole line of people dressed in, you know, suits come out of the back office and they come up to him and they get down on their knees and bow and apologize for not letting him and his family immigrate to the United States. And they said, we'll take care of everything. Get you there as fast as possible. He was bewildered and just said, thank you very much. And he said, um, what shall I do next? And they said, well, start, you know, uh, getting ready for packing and everything. Are you ready to move? He says, we've been ready for, you know, eight years, almost eight years. And he goes, okay, um, just start to pack up. We'll send people over to help you. And next thing, trucks and vans show up by his house. People come in and they start packing everything for them, doing all the paperwork, doing everything they needed to get to the United States. That's how he ended up. So here's this very humble gardener who couldn't get a job as a high school math teacher because he didn't speak enough English. How he ended up being able to get to the United States was by solving a rocket trajectory problem for NASA. <laughs> Well, and this is a perfect example of a talk story which has so many themes to it that can teach everybody something. One of the themes I always hear when Michael tells this story, and by the way, I love hearing some some stories over and over again because it's great reminders. So those of you that have someone who tells stories over and over again, maybe you haven't uh, gotten the treasures out of it yet. Yeah. But one of the treasures I get out of this story is when something is meant to happen and a person is determined and creating, there that miracle is going to happen. And who knows where it's going to 
where the solution is going to come from. You have to open your heart so that it can come from anywhere and to be aware that there it is. Because if he, if this guy had not followed the other man's instruction and, and tried one more time with that letter on top, it would have never happened. He would have just said, I'm, I've had enough of this and, and uh, given up on a dream that he had. And though some of you may think the dream of coming to the United States is annoying for you, for some of us, having a treasure like that man here was, um, you know, important. It was important for his path. It was important for our path. And it was important for our country. So, you know, lots of layers here. Yeah. And one of the things, too, after that, um, I found myself staying a lot in hotel rooms for two to three weeks at a time in different cities to be able to give people um, readings and healings and stuff when I was doing private sessions back then. And I found I really enjoyed uh, every morning if I didn't have the sign up, do not disturb sign because I was going to start early anyway. So I didn't mind the housekeepers coming and cleaning up everything before my clients came. So I enjoyed talking with each of the housekeepers that came in to clean the room and and you know they were doing their work but I would I would mine them <laughs> for treasures and what I ended up finding out I I met and got to know in one hotel in Los Angeles every housekeeper on the housekeeping staff from the director of the housekeeping down to the newest housekeeper because I was there three weeks at a time for several years yeah. and uh, every other month for several years. And so, so uh, it was amazing. Every single housekeeper, amazing, extraordinary people, incredibly bright and, and again, similar story as the Vietnamese man. Most of them came from another country and they didn't speak English well enough to continue, continue their career that they were trained in, in their home country. Ah, many, there were a lot of educators, a lot of school teachers, even um, college level professors. There were uh, one architect. Uh, <laughs> it, it was amazing. Nurses, lots of nurses high-level nurses in their own countries, but they couldn't, they didn't have the command of English to go through the whole uh, nursing exam and everything to get a position. So they needed to feed their family or they were single mothers and amazing people, writers. One was an actress. And so I, I learned about each person and it was just opened up a whole treasure chest of, ah, every soul is amazing. And what I learned from all of them, most of them felt they weren't good enough. They, they were failures, struggling. But it's the best parts of them were about the greatest challenges and how they overcame them. And most of them were embarrassed at first to talk about those great difficulties because they were invalidated and they felt they were failures. But I learned so much from what they went through, how they dealt with it, 
and what they learn from it. And they start to be able to have it as well. And they started to be more motivated to uh, be more in their new their new home country as well. A connection with Michael was really great for them. Well, once again, we're at the end of our show. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed being with us as much as we enjoy having this time with you. Be sure to join us again next Wednesday for our show titled Namaste, Hello to the Light of the World. We'll explore communicating from spirit to spirit. Also, if you'd like to learn more about your fourth chakra and how it impacts your experience of oneness, self-worth, and how you feel in relationship to anyone or anything, join us for our next teleclass, Your Fourth Chakra, Affinity, Worth, and Relationship. Again, find out about details and sign up through our website or through our uh, office. The website is michaeltamora.com. The office number is 530-926-2650 during normal business hours, specific time, Monday to Friday. Until then, be inspired, use your imagination, and follow your intuition joyfully. This is Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamora. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next week. We appreciate your joining us today. Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamora can be heard live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until we talk again next week, remember to wake up to who you are. It's your purpose here on Earth. 